Yeah, hello. Welcome, everybody. Uh, obviously, I'm Bloom Online. I'm, my name's Bloom, and I'm online. Today, I'm joined with Zombie TV 69 Some of you guys watching might uh, be familiar with the man from also being a name in the chat there with you. This isn't one of those things where I'm like, oh, the viewer comes on. No, he's talented and smart. The rest of you guys are just... Never mind. Never mind. So I have the one... <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I've uh have Zombie on here. Zombie and I have been collaborating on some stuff. Uh you're gonna see him in a, a lot more things going forward. Uh this is our Sunday show. Zombie has some stuff he wants to tell us about, and I'm fucking very interested in it. So let's show him some respect while we're here. Boys, thank you. <laughs> that that was great, Bloom. I that's I I think when the uh, if I remember correctly when the Beatles came out on the Ed Sullivan show they said look there's a reason we're on this stage and you're not and then everybody <laughs> loved them because they out they said you know they acknowledged that they were better than their audience. Oh, crowd set up like how you're saying you learn a lot about sexuality from Madonna you could learn about performance art from Madonna because one of her most uh, famous events was completely canceled because nobody was worthy of seeing it. <laughs> no, that that's that fucking happened to creed in my town so creed came here and played this had to have been like 2003 or 2004 or something like that and then they got booked again to play but they got to sacramento and realized it was that specific theater and not a different one and fucking put out a notice that said the last time we played here the fans booed us and we refused to come out again it was probably their vocalist what's that guy's name scott staff scott staff so it was probably him because i've heard that he's a super bitch like about shit like that <laughs> And like a deep, uh, he didn't get bottled. Nickelback got bottled, dude. There's a viral video of Nickelback getting bottled. It happened in my town, and he, they didn't get just, bottled. You're just from the place where, and any like sort of like post grunge hard rock, <laughs> like Bloomstown hates it. <laughs> just like co a collective soul gets beat up at the gas station. You're like, get out of here, you piece of shit. <laughs> was over with nirvana we all knew that <laughs> the only thing that gets by here is fucking ween it's all we listen yeah, to ween's, yeah because they're funny <laughs> Sing Ocean Man, then fuck off. <laughs> everybody knows. Everybody in your town's like very knowledgeable. <laughs> he saw every band to show up and do Ocean Man. Or uh, my favorite, my favorite Ween song is "Bananas and Blow," which is obvious, right? Oh fuck yeah! Well, anyway, he's wanted to play either of those two songs, or you know what, dude, you're not welcome. And and Scott Stapp really took offense to that. You guys don't want yeah, to hear fucking I mean, what? What is what are what's a name? I can't even think of a Creed song. With uh, arms wide open. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I went to church camp. I listened to the music we were allowed to listen to there. Uh, <laughs> I could tell you some Christian bands, but we won't talk about that. Okay. All right. I got look, Bloom. I got a, I got something to tell you about. I'm very excited. So, um, I got a conspiracy theory to tell you about. But even beyond that, I have I have a plan. I'm in the middle of a life plan for something I'm going to execute. So I want to bring you up to speed on what's been going on with me, if that's okay. Okay. 
All right. This okay. is this is a bit of a curveball. I'm down. I'll listen. Okay. All right. So, um, are you familiar with Werner Herzog? Yeah. 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 Is a okay, German wanna... director, Go documentarian, ahead. writer. Beautiful man. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I want to start by by giving you an anecdote about Werner Herzog. Okay. Okay. It's it's pretty short. It's like I'll run through it and you know interrupt if you have any questions. So, uh, in the mid seventies. Uh, Warner Herzog suggests to his friend Errol Morris, you know, fellow documentarian Errol Morris made the Thin Blue Line, mm-hmm. who at the time was researching a project on serial killer Ed Gein, that the two of them illegally exhumed the remains of Ed Gein's mother to determine if Gein, who was infamous for gra- grave robbery, had himself already returned and like stolen or tampled, tampered with his mother's like corpse or burial site. Right. Wait. So wait, I'm sorry. You did say interrupt if I had questions just to just to clarify, because I've never heard this before. Werner Herzog and say the other guy's name. Errol Morris. Errol Morris. Dug up Ed Gein's mom's body. Well, okay, they had a plan to. Okay, all right. That's the maybe why I was confused. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So because Errol Morris, he's living in Ed Gein's hometown in, like, rural Wisconsin. He's obsessed with Ed Gein. He's trying to make, like, a book or a film about it or whatever. Right. And Herzog at this time is in Alaska. And they talk, and then Herzog's like, we should dig up this grave. And Errol Morris is like, this is a great fucking idea. So <laughs> Werner Herzog drives all the way from Alaska, like, through fucking Canada to Wisconsin uh, and arrives in Plainfield, Wisconsin, and when he shows up, Errol Morris, who was supposed to meet him, like, isn't there. Errol Morris is essentially, like, hiding or he's, like, left town because he's decided this is a bad idea. And he's scared that Werner Herzog is going to, like, make him do this. He's <laughs> <laughs> terrified of just Werner Herzog forcing him to dig up a body. Or, I mean, think about think about what goes through your mind when... Somebody asks you, hey, do you want to dig up a body? And at first you say yes, because like you said, you're like the you're like Jeremy Renner in the town. You're like, yeah, I'm down. And then you've had you've had fucking 25 hours to think about it. And you're like, wait a minute, this is a terrible idea. Now you have to think about like, okay, my friend is the type of guy that would dig up a body that's probably been buried for like 60 years by now. What the fuck is he gonna do to me when I say no? But it's Werner yeah, Herzog. Yeah. So and, yeah. That adds to it. I don't mean to cut you off, but imagine you get oh, murdered. No, you get murdered by Werner Herzog, and he gets captured. He's uh, arrested. He's being interrogated, and the tapes of that interrogation are the number one best-selling audiobook because his voice is so amazing, and the way he describes murdering you is so articulate and beautiful. <laughs> Even your mom has a version of it. She's, oh, this is good. I knew that Errol had betrayed me. And so I had to murder him in the famous site of the murders by Ed Gein. And in destroying my friend, I felt that I had become Gein and that his spirit lived through me. That's something like that. Into the abyss, too. Yeah, yeah. I got a Herzog, dude. That's, he's another. I can fucking whip that out. Um, so anyway, he drives there and fucking fuck all happens, right? Uh-huh. But the point is, Werner Herzog fucking drove across like the second largest country 
on Earth <laughs> to dig up the body of a serial killer's mother. And then his friend hid from him so that he didn't get bullied into actually doing it. So that's <laughs> the kind of person Werner Herzog is. So, so to set this up, I have, and we'll, I mean, we'll see how long it takes. I have seven fun facts about Werner Herzog. I would like to let you know about Okay. Okay. So, um, so during production of Herzog's film, uh, I might fuck this up, but it's uh, a Geary Wrath of God. Yeah, I've okay, just full, full full disclosure. I've never got the name right. I was in okay, I was in a room with other film people doing like a seminar. We're doing one of these like learn how to make films, and the guy the 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 guy teaching the thing came up and was like, "Oh well, this is Aguirre, God's Wrath." And we were all like, okay. And then the next day, the last part of the class, he goes, so you guys have uh, the bit there on Aguirre? And we're like, no. Like, you could just see every single person there being like, no. I recorded <laughs> mine or whatever the fuck it was. Like, we, nobody knows how to say the name of that movie. Okay. All right. So during the production of that film, actor uh, Klaus Kinski threatened to quit the movie. And Herzog's response to that was to pull a gun on Kinski and threaten to shoot Kinski and then himself if Kinski didn't complete filming of the movie. I remember you that he was going to shoot Kinski. I didn't know he was going to shoot himself, too. And that's his, yeah. that's his like, go-to guy, right? Because he was in, uh, fuck, he was in a uh, Herzog film, the one before that. Like, right one after before that. that. Oh, after that? Here's Here's what happens. So... After that, I think that was 72, or maybe 76, and so in like 82, 81 or 82, I, I don't have the dates right, but uh, Herzog is making Fitzcarraldo, which uh -huh. is like one of his more famous films, right? And so after 40% of filming for Fitzcarraldo uh, had been completed, the movie's original lead actor catches dysentery. Oh, shit. And so uh, Herzog calls Kinski, an actor who... You might remember he once threatened to murder and was like, uh, yes, can you come to the Amazon and replace my actor who has fallen ill with dysentery? And Kinski says, yes. <laughs> so he agrees to work with Herzog again. And immediately uh, Kinski's feuding with Herzog, the crew. Uh, somehow he's feuding with a whole bunch of like the native extras who were cast in the film <laughs> and allegedly it gets to the point that according to Herzog a local na native chief comes to him and is like look if you need me to kill this Kinski guy I can do that for you <laughs> and Herzog's like no I need him to finish the film you cannot kill him for me <laughs> uh, so okay is this like a running thing with just the two or is Werner Herzog... Well, I guess, no, because Errol Morris was also terrified of him. So it seems like everybody is either terrified of or hates Werner Herzog for some reason. I don't know if anyone hates him. I think... Because part of the point I'm working to toward is he's such, like, just a human living sort of, like, within, like the biology and psychology of humanity, but not at all within the bounds of society, that it's kind of hard to not respect him. Right. Right? He's just like, 
he respects kind of like people and ideas, but also he's just, he's like weirdly fearless. <laughs> like for an artist, he's like among, because so many artists, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure if I walked up to Tim Burton and like cocked my fist, he'd like flinch. But Herzog's like 77 and he would be like, oh, maybe um, I'm about to be struck in the face. <laughs> Perhaps the feeling of being struck will enlighten me something I did not know. Like he's like, yeah, he he's musing about the potential of of growing from the experience of you assaulting him in front of a McDonald's or some shit. Yeah, yeah, that's um, the guy. That's that's the version of Ver Verda Herzog. I like actually less. I was gonna say more, but I kind of <laughs> now that I've had, I like the version of him that's just like you're gonna fucking do my movie, and he fucking points yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a quiet one, so you got to watch out for. So anyway, <laughs> true. I'll, I'll I'll blend these next two together. Um, Herzog's making Fitzcarraldo in the jungle in South America. And if you don't know what Fitzcarraldo is about, it's a movie about a guy who moves a steamship up and over a steep hill, right? Mm -hmm. It's based on this true story. Uh, but Herzog sort of insisted that in making this movie, it was important that they actually move a steamship up and over a steep uh, hill. He uh he didn't want to do any like studio trickery or like magic or like shoot it in that way. He had, he had this idea. He he kept calling himself a con conquistador of the useless. <laughs> so he <laughs> so I guess he thought that like the spirit of the thing had to be captured by like actually doing it. Imagine he made the ghosts in the darkness. That Val Kilmer movie about those two fucking lions that were eating people along an African railroad. Oh. And he's just okay, like, okay. oh, you know, in order to do this film the right way, we must have African people eaten by lions. But we can never <laughs> film this and we can never show this to anybody. Val okay. Kilmer, you must see every moment, though. <laughs> yeah, you must witness it. Well, knowing Val Kilmer, he would fucking do that. He's <laughs> like, I'm down. Here's here's a fucking Val Kilmer story. I read I read this interview with Val Kilmer where he said that to play a character, he has to be able to like understand the characters better than themselves, but that's like okay because the act of like portraying the character like teaches you everything about them and you like know them more than they would know themselves. And then the interviewer, this is Chuck Closterman, who's this writer I really like, he goes, so if you were to play Jesus, for example, you would come to understand Jesus better than he knew himself? And then Val Kilmer allegedly said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking badass, dude. What a fucking badass. It's like I like I like that painter fucking Albrecht uh, Jurer. I think that's how you say his name or Jurer. I don't speak German. Um, I like all of his crazy gothic stuff too. My favorite painting of him is just a painting he did of him, or from him is a painting he did of of himself as Jesus, and everybody hated it. And he is his defense of it was like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm the best painter ever, so of course I'm like Jesus. I fucking love that dude. <laughs> Val Kilmer, a yeah. god. Imagine him in Heat, but like he's method. So at home, he's still the guy from Heat. Like he's just sitting on his bed with his M14, being like, I can't wait to rob this bank later. 
Well, you, you know what? If he's to be believed, having done that movie, Val Kilmer thinks that he knows how to rob a bank. Yeah, no, like, that's what I'm saying. Val Kilmer believes. <laughs> he, he thinks he has successfully carried out heists before. He's like, dude, I could fly a fucking jet if you ask me. Like, if the U.S. Navy called me right now and said, I need you to fight fucking MiG-13s against the, the Red Army. I would I would know I have cancer and I'm a little fat, but I could do it. <laughs> just just him on inside the actor's studio and fucking I mean James Lipton's dead, but presuming James Lipton's alive. He's like, uh <laughs> what is your secret? And Kilmer's like, Well, it, it it helps if you can't tell the difference between fiction and reality. <laughs> That's really been my greatest strength. <laughs> is that I don't know what's real. <laughs> Like, dude, Daniel Day Lewis is the best method method actor of our time. I've heard Leonardo DiCaprio has actually had to undergo therapy to erase some of the bad thoughts of terrible characters that he's played. It's like, yeah, well, uh, Val Kilmer doesn't know that he didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> and fucking, and DiCaprio and Daniel Day Lewis know that too. <laughs> yeah. Like, they get together and they talk about it. He's like, these people, it's like. Amadeus, where Salieri is like the most successful composer in all of Vienna. He's like personally like patron by the king to like teach him music. And then he sees Mozart and he's like, why would you curse me, God? Right. That's Daniel Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio when they think about Val Kilmer. They're like, well, that's why Daniel Day Lewis became a fucking cobbler. That's why he quit. He said, I could never do what Val Kilmer does, dude. Fuck. Bro, yeah. Top Gun is fucking, the perfect movie. He, he saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, <laughs> where Val Kilmer plays that, like, fucking gay hitman. And then he's like, God, fuck, shit. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's like, oh, man, oh, fuck. Now I don't remember the name of that fucking movie where he plays a Russian spy, Val Kilmer. I don't oh, know that one. Shit, dude, fuck. Now I ruined the but joke. If, but it's... if he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, that means Val Kilmer is talking to people that he's like, yeah, you know... Back when I used to fuck men and murder people. <laughs> Back when I used to be Batman. Before. <laughs> uh, the Saint. That was the name of the movie, The Saint. Oh, yeah, The Saint. Yeah, those are, there's a bunch of novels, right? There's right. There's a series of like, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Val Kilmer fucking thinks that Christian Bale and Ben Affleck are pretending to be him. He's, He's like, what are you guys doing? your problem? <laughs> what are you guys making these documentaries about me for? I only fought the yeah. Joker once and he didn't look like that. <laughs> That's fucking sick. I love that. that okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so, um, it's it's interesting that we, we we sort of talk about like the lines between reality and fiction. I don't know. I don't know what the fucking segue is. I tried to bullshit my way through it. Perfect. Here's the next thing about Warner Herzog. Great segue. I loved it. Yeah, thank you. So while he's making Fitzcarraldo, though, there's a number of like serious injuries that occur during production of that film. One of them is that a Peruvian lumberjack is bitten by a venomous snake. And hacks off his own foot with a chainsaw. Oh shit! 
Yeah, so that happens on the set of that movie, right? He hacks off his, his own foot with a chainsaw. Uh, a, another person is in a plane crash and uh, is paralyzed, becomes like a like a like a paraplegic because what like uh, <laughs> a plane transporting people gets into a crash during production of that movie. And the movie's, like, finished, and it's out. And Warner Herzog never talks about that, right? Which is, like, uh, you know how, like, in the Twilight Zone movie, those kids died? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. John, Landis John Landis was directly responsible was for the death of three people, including two children. Is how, <laughs> is how you say yeah. it. Is how you're supposed to say it. Yeah, I, I met Max Landis once, and that was my intro to him. I hey, said, how do you feel knowing that your dad is directly responsible for the death of three people, including two children? By the way, loved Chronicle, and Max, then he didn't want to. You know, I I actually genuinely uh really like your appearance on Red Letter Media. Fucking impressive. Uh, your dad essentially murdered three people. Two of them were little <laughs> kids. Bizarre, but you also did a short with Macaulay Culkin. That's like almost. Like thematically perfect, like everything in it is so good. <laughs> I actually, I think you're a good guy. <coughs> Get it with the Safdie brothers. I think they could really do something for you. <laughs> Just, I love the idea of you and I being like Hollywood bigwigs or whatever, like smoothing, smooching, and we have no idea fucking how to do the meet and greet at all like we just get way too fucking personal <laughs> yeah your dad's a murderer right so mel gibson uh first of all patriot good fucking movie additionally your dad was in the kkk and you did say a pack of we'll get to that part later now my real question is what was it like to play santa claus <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. That's uh, yeah. Um, hey, Christian Slater, buddy, love true romance. Uh, you once said that you felt pressure in your life to live up to the badass characters you portrayed on screen. Is that why you brought a loaded gun onto an airplane in 1994? <laughs> anyway, congratulations on Mr. Robot. I think it's a good career turn. <laughs> Mr. Cruz, you know, I, I've always been impressed with your ability to uh, take on stunts that other actors would be terrified to take on. Now, both of your ex-wives have said that you're horribly, horribly abusive. And recently we've got audio clips and a whole bunch of secondhand, thirdhand testimony says that they've seen all kinds of accounts of abuse. And what I really want to know is, do you think the Mission Impossible franchise has just gone on too long? Would you like to take <laughs> on something else? Do you think 007 would have been a better fit for you? <laughs> Hey, Fatty Arbuckle, congratulations <laughs> on being a celebrity in early Hollywood. I feel like you really put talky cinema on the map. By the way, did that woman really have a UTI that killed her? Or did you murder her like all those tabloids said? Anyway, uh, way to be an early example of body positivity. <laughs> fucking rude this idea is too goddamn good i can think about these all goddamn day okay. i have to go i have to go to the bathroom so let's let's okay, let's take a moment uh give me give me a second if you're gonna be here zombie just keep the chat entertained chat give me one second yes yeah. i can for sure keep the chat entertained because it's not like i can't see the chat and that i've just been left here alone look guys there's some things you need to understand 
about Bloom, which is that one, he was late for this. But was I mad? No, because I knew he was going to be late. Because this is what he, you know what I mean? He thinks of himself as very organized because he thinks being organized is thinking about being organized. But that's not the same thing at all, right? It's like when people say like, oh, I do, you know, uh, like mindset meditation. I sit and I exist in the present moment. And it's like, do you, or do you think about how you're sitting and existing in the present moment and how you're going to like tweet about it later, right? Do you go to yoga so you can take a picture of yourself with your yoga mat and the Starbucks cup, right? And the Froyo that you got with the girls. What I'm saying is that the Bloom is essentially sort of like the suburban, you know, soccer mom keeping up with the Joneses kind of like, you know, performative, annoying type person. Uh, and, you know, that's fine because those people need to exist, right? Someone has to drive the kiddies to soccer practice, but don't let them, don't let them front with you, right? Don't let, don't, don't let them be like, oh, I'm very cool. I like like rap music. He definitely does not. He likes like Sheryl Crow. Like if it makes you happy, that is his jam a thousand percent um sarah mclaughlin we were you know we were talking the other night and he was just singing uh what's just uh, um um building a mystery and really just hitting the you know going for the harmonies which i thought was ambitious but you know he pulled it off if there's if there's one thing that's true about blue online it's that he is a beautiful singer he is a beautiful singer he's like a <laughs> like Michael Sarah in Superbad, when all those cokeheads trap him in the room, and <laughs> that guy's like, "My brother came all the way from Scottsdale, Arizona, to be here tonight, and you're not going to sing for him." That uh, that's that's going to happen. That's going to happen to Bloom Online. Or I, I like wish that you I didn't even play. know I was. I like you didn't even know I was here, and you're just singing my praises. I mean, you're right. I am a fucking beautiful singer. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have chat open, so I can't like answer questions. So no, like, they weren't. Right, they you know. weren't asking. They were. Everybody was captivated, and so. Holy shit, <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> pizza. Thank you for that three month three sub. Pizza really liked it. Erwin Tron actually really liked it a lot. He's nice. he's showing a massive penis in the chat. So nice. <laughs> um captivating i i came back right when you were saying i was hitting melodies and harmonies and i was like you know i'm gonna yeah. let him keep going because he's well right. that's you uh you when you know when you're chopping it up for youtube later you can listen to that little part of it. it's like um remember when we did the full health script reading and you went to the bathroom and i was saying all that really cool stuff when you couldn't hear uh wait no Oh, I was talking about the Confederacy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The South will rise again. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, you know, I'm not saying it should. It's just going to happen. I just, it just don't. Will. But, you know, I don't. I have no personal beliefs about that myself. <laughs> He's Canadian. Like, you know, why I'm would he? Canadian. And here, Southern pride is not illegal. <laughs> okay. But, okay, no, a okay. quick question. Quick question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do is there a term that you guys use? Like, do you guys have like a for, from the south term that you use, or do you just like call people from Newfoundland hill hillbillies or whatever? 
We call them newfies. Newfies. That would be the thing. That's but a, it's that's a dog. Well, it is, but that dog is from Newfoundland. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah. Uh, um, it's complicated. The way Canada works, if I'm talking about it honestly, is like people make fun of people from Newfoundland, but people from Newfoundland like party so hard that they're not like jealous of like Toronto or Calgary or anything. It's like both sides looking at the other being like, oh man, what you're doing is nonsense. And then they just collaborate to, you know, sort of resent and fear the French. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually what's going on. (laughs) I, I, one of my favorite things about our conversation is getting little bits of, uh, facts about canada because eventually i'll go there and probably most of what i'll know is going to be incorrect or based on your sort of anti-french framing because you you in particular seem to really hate the french very few other canadians that i know have mentioned disliking the french as much as you have you said something about them liking a bridge i don't hate the french that's not accurate at all. All I'm saying is, you want to leave, fucking leave, or shut up about it, right? Pick us. That's it. That's it. I the French people are great people, whether they want to be part of this country or not. Settle it. <laughs> Pick a side. This is the exact opposite of a white conservative's opinion of Latino people in America, where it's just like, <laughs> you get out. I don't want you here. Even if you want to be here and and you're like, fine, you can stay, but you have to just say that you're something different. Stop pretending like you're part of us. It's a very strange dynamic. Well, it's not it's not totally comparable because the fucking the Quebecois, right? Like most of them are incredibly normal people. But then there are those people where it's like, that's their thing. Like, um, you know. Like, obviously, like, there are those people who are like, we fight for racial equality, and it's, like, sick. And then there are those other people who are like, Sesame Street hates black people. Like, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know if that's right. So there is that faction of people from Quebec where they're like, look, all the stop signs in Alberta need to say arete in case we ever want to go there. And it's like, first of all, you know what the word stop means, right? And second of all, you don't want to go to Alberta. And I know you don't want to go to Alberta. So what are we even talking about? <laughs> Change all the signs. It needs to have, there needs to be as much French as possible in case I have to stay there. I And it's totally against my will. And it's for a couple of days at least. Yeah, and it, it's like, so let me get this straight. You, you can't figure out stop sign. You're just bragging about that. You're like, what? Do, it does not say arate. I do not. Do I eat it? Do I manger? I have no idea. What All right. Oh. But I love the French. They're great. Fair enough. I my my. I don't have any negative opinions of the French. I recently got into watching. Uh, black and white dueling like fencing videos and they're they're all french from like the early 1900s people being pissed at each other and having legitimate sword fights those videos yeah. are great and they've actually uh reinvigorated my well what's that stuff uh re-enlightened me on the masculinity of the french man okay yeah that's french masculinity now i'm being serious french masculinity is actually so interesting because mm-hmm. it's like always been interwoven with like an appreciation for art and culture or at least like you know within the past fucking 200 years or whatever because in in the west especially in the united states there's this idea that like 
art isn't for like men's men. Men's men are like cowboys or whatever, right? But mm -hmm. I remember um, in, I think I got the year right. So in 1913, Igor Stravinsky premiered his ballet, The Rite of Spring in Paris. And right. The Rite of Spring is very atonal and has a lot of weird time signatures. And it caused like an uproar in the theater where like half of the audience was like booing and saying like, this is, this is not the ballet, get this off the stage. And the other half were like, no, this is the greatest music we have ever heard. And one man challenged another man to a duel to the death over whether or not the ballet was good. And huh. the duel was had and the man who liked the ballet won. <laughs> so that's, that's what's really cool about the French version of masculinity is it's two guys fighting to the death and it's like, oh, do they love the same woman? And it's like, no, they have differing opinions on a ballet. A ballet. But generally speaking, they both love ballet and know a lot about it. <laughs> but they disagree this one time on this one ballet. Yeah, so one of them's gonna die. Yeah, and then when he dies, the other guy gets to be like, see? It is uh, beautiful. It's well, a genius ballet. Well, I'm pretty sure the same thing happened uh, between two two French dudes just about the existence of Mary Curry, or however you say her name. Like, I, I can't read French, but there's one on the, the list of videos I've seen. I've, I've watched this fight a couple of times. It's not to the death. It's, it's first blood. But these dudes are fighting, and I'm pretty sure one of them is like, I don't care if Mar that Mary Carey did this, it's fine. Like nu nuclear technology exists now. That's, I don't care if she's a woman. And the other guy's like, I don't like nuclear technology is cool. That's awesome. I'm glad that exists now, but she's a woman. And so they're going to fight. And so there's no real resolution. Like they can't, one can't come to the other one. So one's just going to get cut and be like, fuck, he cut me. All right. Well, but wait, a guy is mad that a woman made a scientific discovery. Yes, and the other one, and but they both like the scientific discovery because I'm pretty sure they're both scientists too. But it's like just That's two very funny two dudes that are just like, nah, but she's a woman. The other guy's like, yeah, but I don't care that she's a woman. Well, we have to fight about the fact that I hate that and you don't care. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to like, you know, raise my hand up and be like. I am a male feminist, but I do think that being mad at a woman for making a scientific discovery is pretty toxic masculinity. <laughs> like, it's not even that she's taken the place of a man. She just already did her job. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. It's very weird. It's very uh, weird, champ. Maybe I'm coming across as too fucking progressive or whatever. I'm sorry if that's not based. No, I don't I don't think anybody's gonna be like, Well, you fucking soy boy, you're not mad that Mary <laughs> Carey a hundred years ago discovered nuclear technology. Fuck, dude. I believe she co discovered radium. Radi or radiation, that's what it was. Excuse me. She discovered radiation is specifically what she discovered. Her, okay. her husband takes the credit. I forgot the thing. I watched the fucking miniseries on it. Her husband gets the credit because he is the dude. But effectively, she is the person that did the important research and and testing. And it's her um, it's her paperwork that was peer-reviewed, not his. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, fuck, I don't know. Fucking good for her. Yeah. That's like... Okay, so 
Yeah. Good. There you go. History lesson done. Now, <clears throat> about Werner Herzog. Okay. Yeah, well, let me, I'll run through the end of this, and then we'll get into in, into the meat of the thing. So let's, let's end on a fun one. Okay. During a 2006 BBC interview, which took place on the side of a road in Los Angeles, Herzog was shot in the stomach by a crazed fan with an air rifle. What the fuck? Yeah, so Herzog then went to the hospital. Just kidding. He, of course, <laughs> insisted that the interview be finished first. According to Herzog, he could, quote, tell the wound wasn't serious and would have felt bad if the interviewers had come all this way to leave with nothing. So I'm not <laughs> sure how you become, like, familiar enough with the experience of being shot in the fucking stomach with an air rifle to, like, know when it doesn't require medical attention. Like, he just has the ability to fucking judge the severity of, like, a pellet wound. Uh but anyway, he made that determination and finished out the interview by showing the wound, and you can like see his paisley print boxers. But Mr. Herzog, you've been shot in the abdomen. We have to take you to the hospital. No, the round has missed my large intestine by 0. 0.2 <laughs> millimeters. If yeah. I sit just like this for 45 minutes, I will be fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 essentially. <laughs> He's right. He's like, yeah. And then you want to be like, uh, you know, you're on a set and you're like, hey, Werner, I was thinking my character would deliver this line in a different way. And he goes, I do, do not agree with that. And then you're like, OK. <laughs> I mean, you were shot earlier and you were going to shoot an actor and you were going to dig up a body. Look, I actually have no creative input on this. Whatever you right. say goes. Do you want a blowjob? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're on board, Bloom. Warner Herzog's crazy. Yeah, right? I love the guy. Yeah. He's crazy, but he's also brilliant. Because his craziness is like his insight into reality. This is like a, a cliche voice or a cliche thing to say, but the guy has like a singular voice. You can tell that his films are his films. And his perspective on the world is the kind of thing that I need to tap into, right? I need to talk to him. He's a perfect person for me to talk to. I need his help because I need to ask aging film director Werner Herzog to help me rob the grave of former NBA center Manute Bull. <laughs> There's probably no better person to help you yes. do it. Yes, that is my point. Okay, so. Okay. So here's the meat of the thing, all right? This is the thing we're into. Like, this is the big reveal. This is what I've been building up to. I'm fucking so fucking stunned by the Manu Bolt of Werner, Werner Herzog 2 Manu Bolt segue. That's so fucking yeah. good. Here we go. Okay. There's a rumor I've become aware of that alleges that Manute Bull was in fact 20, perhaps even 25 years older than his publicly listed age. If true, this would make Bull by far the oldest athlete to have ever competed in the NBA and also older than any athlete who has ever competed in the NHL, the NFL, and possibly MLB. Oh, wait a minute. So 
how wait, how is this age not confirmed though? I, I, oh, buddy, it's sick. It's sick. It's so juicy. So, <laughs> oh, buddy, uh, yeah. So, if this were true, I, I, what it would mean that Manupol was in his mid forties while living off of financial compensation from Cleveland State University, which like was already in violation of NCAA rules. They got in trouble for it like six years later. Right. Um, okay. So here's the evidence for Minute Bull's age being wrong by so much. Okay. 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 Firstly, there's no formal record of his birthday anywhere. And this makes sense when you know that Minute is a member of the Dinka tribe from South Sudan. He grew up in a village without electricity or running water. He is very proud of the time that he killed the lion with a spear. The Dinka culture is presumably not one that places a great deal of emphasis on, like, keeping government records properly filed. I didn't know he was from a legitimate tribe. You know, like, I I watch a a fuck ton of sports, and in all of all the sports, particularly in combat sports, there's a lot of people there from uh, Uganda. Right, they'll be from uh, um, Senegal, and they're just from mm. poor towns. Right, they're not necessarily yeah. like tribesmen. When you say Manu Bol is from the Dinka tribe and killed a lion with the spear, do you mean like all of them are like? I don't need to, you know, without I don't know how to say this without sounding racist when you're talking about literal black people in Africa, but are you just talking about like loincloths and spears all like that's legitimate, like the tribe. Okay. Here's what I do know. Manute Bull's grandfather, uh, for whose like Manute Bull's son is named for his grandfather. Manute Bull's grandfather, whose name was Bull Bull was right. the king of the Dinka tribe. <laughs> What? And he, and he was allegedly seven foot ten. So he's like a mythic character. Where, no matter how tall he is or whoever he was, yeah. he's at least like mythicized. Yeah, Manupo's grandfather was the, the king of like the Dinka tribe or at least some part of the Dinka tribe. Well, obviously, I haven't done like an anthropological mission in South Sudan, but I do know they're like a tribal people with a king. So that is like the structure they were operating under, right? right. It's, it's They have dances, they do have shields and spears, and they like live in homes that they build themselves. Not that we don't live in homes that we build ourselves, but their culture has uh, like, or at least had like a monarchy system around it. So they weren't under, at least from their own perspective, of like they didn't have allegiance to like whatever the local form of governance was they didn't like concern themselves with that enough to not have a king i okay i mean i because i watch a lot of basketball i'm actually stunned to hear that manu bowl is from like a tribe of this calib like of this this level of of truth like a Neolithic fucking group. I... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but here's the thing, right? So here, here's the first part of how we know this, how this rumor gets started. Okay. Okay. So the person who brought Manute Bull to the United States from Africa is former Cleveland State basketball coach, Kevin Mackey. Right. And according to him, he just made up Manute Bull's age and birthday. 
Oh, shit. <laughs> he was bringing Manupol to the United States to play basketball for uh, Cleveland State. He didn't actually end up doing that, uh, right. mostly because he, he had to, like, upgrade his language skills enough that he could take courses at an English university, and that, like, took some time. But he was on financial assistance from them. So Mackey's bringing him to the United States, and Mackey is like, he doesn't know his age and birthday, so he just makes up Manupol's age and birthday. Which to me is fucking crazy because can you imagine there's a man you uh, because because the other thing is that Mackie is on record saying that he personally believes Manute to be much older than he is right and so can you imagine being a man you're like a college basketball coach you're there with another dude who you think might be about your age who's <laughs> seven foot seven and th- like through some translator right because he does not speak English. You got to be like, look, I'm just going to tell everyone you meet for the rest of your life that you just finished <laughs> puberty a couple years ago. And you have to tell everyone else this. too. You have to just pr- at least say, yeah, uh, sometime in the 60s. Sure. And just shut up yeah. after that. OK, so the second piece of evidence for this is uh, Manu Bowles, former teammate, Jason Williams. Hmm. And William says that in the early 90s, he heard Manute Bull say, the white man lost my birth certificate in the woods. So every five years, I take a rock and slice a scar across my head to count my age. Holy shit. <laughs> so I don't know why you would carve the side of your head like a jailhouse wall <laughs> instead of just fucking counting. I don't know. Oh, it's it's been three years now since the last time it had been three years. Just even that works better <laughs> than, than cutting, carving into your body to keep record. This is this is like my fucking role play character, Keth. That's the scar his body every time he thinks he kills something. <laughs> so, so according to Williams, after hearing Manute Bull say this, he got curious. And he counted the scars on the side of Manute Bull's head and realized, holy shit, Manute Bull, current NBA player, is 55 years old. <laughs> what? Dude, but yeah. when you look at the when you look at the photos, now that you say this. Yeah. Like maybe. Right? Because there's a bunch of reasons. People are fucking skeptical, like a whole bunch. But yeah. I, I have before those even come come up. I I have all the refutations. Okay, I'm jumping. Here. I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're not. I'm just. I'm jumping ahead because I'm going to shut down any question anyone might ask right now. Okay. So, all right. Uh, so people might say uh, his you know his advanced age would have been like apparent to everyone around him. And here's what I have to say in response to that. Okay, shut up. Right? Shut up. Uh, okay, response number two, black don't crack. Right? Look, I didn't come up with that. It's a, th- it's a thing that people say, and I'm just jumping on the bandwagon of that. Okay. Right? Okay. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I want to give an organic one. Because Maybe you okay. have it already. But I, I would say, I think you would know 
if you had been alive for 50 years. And I think you would know that that's not 30 years or 20 something years. I think you would know. Sure. So whenever he's like, no, this guy's however old they said he was when he entered the league uh, or whenever he came in, into America, I think he could. You know what? I'm actually hold on, because if he's from the Dinka tribe, that means that the typical Western abstract way of keeping time and recording the dates are different. Well, so, my theory isn't that Manupol didn't know his age. It's that it wasn't important to him. And at some point, someone just lied. And then he was like, whatever. And, like, didn't give a shit. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, I don't think he didn't know how old he was. I think everybody thought he was this age. And he was like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be this age. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, that, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't sound implausible. No. It sounds like incredibly fucking plausible what do you because think of like is, a tribe a tribe tribesman yeah the thing is jason williams didn't say any of this like when minute bowl was alive he waited until after minute bowl had died and he himself had retired from professional basketball and was like by the way here's a crazy thing i figured out one time by counting the scars on my teammate's head <laughs> right yeah that's because the thing is like, first of all, he was bald, right? You can't uh -huh. tell how old bald people are, right? Sure, how old sure. is Joe Rogan? Nobody knows. Is he 40? Is he That's 65 years old? It's, it's true. a mystery. Actually how old? True. Go ahead. No, I said I was just saying actually true. Yeah, right? It's 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 a it's elusive. Bruce Willis looks like weirdly younger than he is, right? Mm -hmm. Uh Alex Jones, nobody has any idea how old that guy is. So Manupal is bald. Also, and, you know, people will be like, well, he couldn't, you know, people would have noticed him slowing down with age. He was fucking seven foot seven tall. <laughs> He's already it's, slow. It's not like, yeah, how how much of it, uh, a realistically, like an athlete, do you think that guy, well, he wasn't lightning quick at any point? <laughs> no, no. If you watch back tapes, uh, long strides make up his, his like 12 step gate court to court. It's a thing yeah. they compared how long it takes it took him to get from one side of the court to the other. So he took twelve steps, the same number of steps it takes Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Giannis Antetokounmpo in twelve steps is going like four times faster than him. He's a foot shorter. <laughs> um. So yeah, and the other the other thing I have to say is like suppose other people did suspect this, right? Suppose mm -hmm. other people were like, uh, this guy is supposed to be 36, really seems more like he's fucking 56 years old. Are you going to have the balls to say that? To just be like, I think this guy's fucking lying about his age, right? Or like are you just, right? Ruin his career and life, potentially. Or yours, if you're wrong. Yeah, if you're wrong. I mean, even like, yeah, thinking of it, not like, oh, what if I ruin my career? But genuinely, that would be a big thing. Thing, right especially if he played in college um yeah that that would be that would be actually probably pretty massive maybe it maybe it would have slipped like it would have been less of a big deal in the 80s 
Um, but shit, shit is weird when it comes to like lying to the NCAA and then additionally, um, benefiting from those lies from the NCAA. Like you can see what happened to Chris, Chris Weber. He lied to the NCAA and got his whole entire career like removed from the NCAA as if he got like never existed and wasn't allowed to appear in NBA television ever. Manu Bowl is like a highlight thing. You know what I mean? He's in every, like, I, I'm a basketball fan. Every Christmas, they will show you uh, for free. Everybody will see a bunch of old fucking NBA classics games for like the two weeks of Christmas or yeah. whatever. And there's always a, a Manu Bowl package in there where it shows like all of his best blocks and and uh, standing finger fingertip dunks and shit. He's like a staple in the NBA now. So legitimately calling calling this out even just to suspect it could have potentially like ruined his entire career in life. At, at the very least, if the man who brought him to America to play basketball says, I just made up his birthday. Oh no. We have to at least assume that his birthday is wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Like at least the day of the year, is it right? If the guy who brought him was like, I just made it up. I was like, this is his birthday. <laughs> Did he ever say how he had permission to bring a human back from a tribe like that? Um, well, I think like Manu Bull was like a man. He was like an adult man, right? So you're sure. allowed to you're allowed to leave. Like I bet I don't know anything about the Dinka tribe, but I bet you know men are considered men there before even the age they are in the West. Yeah, yeah, very likely. You probably. Uh, choke yeah. a kangaroo or something. I don't know what animals are in Africa. You probably not like... kangaroos. <laughs> oh, I mean, have For you ever sure. been there? Have you ever been there? You don't know. That's not how stuff works, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't in New York on September 11th, 2001. <laughs> I believe those buildings are no longer there. I don't know, dude. You gotta go if you don't see is believing, bro. If you don't, if you're not there and haven't seen it. Yeah, well, now I understand why you're an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> look, dude, I've never seen... I look up at this guy every day, bro. Ain't no hands up there, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't consider the whole he might have been an adult thing. I was just thinking, like, taking somebody out of a country. But, it, you know, if he, exi- he existed, he probably could had... But how did he get a passport? Well, yes, but I don't know. But here's the thing. What is the government like in South Sudan, right? Like in the 90s, there were like a bunch of wars. Wars. That was actually like an issue for his family specifically. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know how you get a passport, but it doesn't seem like to me like it would be impossible. You know, maybe fucking Kevin Mackey just bribed a guy. I don't know what the exchange rate is. Maybe it cost him 10 American dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I'm aware of a Sudanese based genocide happening in like the 1960s, 1970s. I, I don't know who all is involved or whatever, but I could definitely see even the U S government just being like, what you have a Sudan guy and he's okay. Yeah. Like whatever. He's not a terrorist, whatever. This is before, terrorism is like a big deal yeah whatever he's a refugee cool whatever yeah and i'm guessing that's you know look i'm assuming minute bowl wanted to play basketball i don't think that he himself didn't know his age i think he was just unconcerned with that notion 
right? But I don't think anyone forced him to play basketball. You don't think he was like tricked? Basketball. You don't think they're like, look, we have a fucking, we're going to take you to all the fish you can ever get. We're going to feed your entire village. And he was like, cool. And like, no, just get on this plane. We got to fly you to the fish. It's 45 hours flying. <laughs> no. Okay. Now here, just go to this college for like a year so that you get eligibility well, real quick. That's the thing. He did go to college. So yeah. if this rumor is true, that means he's living in the dorm, which he confirmed lived in, just like 42 years old. Oh, just fuck. Just hanging. Just hanging with some 18-year-old girls. He thought the cheerleaders were his new yeah. wives? That's funny. The, the, <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only chat thread that I've read so far. They've all been funny. But I, I, I like the idea of them being like, no, King Bull, we have more wives for you. Don't worry. <laughs> They all just dress like this and have pom-poms. That's how they convinced him to come. <laughs> and a dude legitimately twice the age of the, like, oldest fucking student there. Just chilling. Like, the what do they call it? The resident administrator or whatever? The, the person in charge of the your R- dorms? Yeah, the RA. Yeah, he comes and he's like, uh, excuse me. And of course, looking way up, like, leaning back. Uh, excuse me. Hey, could you keep the, uh fucking didgeridoo down and he's like oh yeah sorry i was just he's just naked dick to his knees and he's like listen also uh we've been getting complaints that you're like going into the bathroom and cutting yourself like once a year could you not how how i know my age i not do that i keep i keep full schedule on back of head how i miss class like he's fucking indignant about it. He's like, "What do you mean? Am I gonna cut my fucking?" Head? <laughs> the fuck's your problem? Just giving them the finger. He learned it. He's like, "Fuck you, fuck you." That's the first thing. That's the first thing you do learn when you come to America. I mean, maybe. Anyway, the, I mean, okay. Hold on, before so, before I want to end this bit. Right. The first thing I heard, I swear to God, I step off the plane in Boston. The first fucking thing I heard was, "Man, fuck this shit, guy!" And I was like, "I'm here, <laughs> I'm here." I look over; it's just two janitors, like just by themselves talking to each other. And I'm like, "I I have arrived." You, you step off the plane in in Boston, and then he's like, "He sold fifteen. He stole fifteen boxes of microprocessors from the mass processing plant." And you're like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be real. Go ahead. A, ca- a cab driver pulls up, and he's like, "You know what it is I do?" And you're like, "Um, you're a cab driver." He's like, "How about you have no idea? If you know what it was I do, I wouldn't be very good at what I do now, would I?" It's like being a cab driver. I'd be a, I don't know, can I fucking say that word on Twitch? No, you Twitch? can't say that word on Twitch. Yeah, that's good, man. This is, I'm being censored already. I've just arrived. And I already can't quote The Departed. <laughs> do, the, do the Jack Nicholson monologue from the beginning. No, don't. <laughs> no, don't. What about, have you, have you seen 25th Hour? Yeah. You know that scene where he just looks into the mirror and talks about New York? <laughs> I can do that for you right now. Uh, fuck it, dude. I've already kicked off a half the other platforms that exist. No, I'm not gonna do. <laughs> I'm not gonna do the twat. The fucking. Listen, I got a list of 14 words. I'm just gonna read them. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, isn't it whatever? Yeah, I don't. Who cares, right? 
Right. We're being censored. Yeah, okay. Be less annoying, and then okay. <laughs> if I hella like what you're doing and you're being censored, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really upset. Otherwise, I'm just yeah. I'm I'm gonna ignore it. Well, that's like Stephen Crowder, like right? He's like I'm being censored, and I'm like all you do is actively try to be censored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the entire it's not like you're doing another thing and they're messing it up for you. Imagine if when South Park put out the shit episode, it got censored all the way through, and they're like, "Oh, I can't believe this. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. believe this. Like we said shit 134 times. They're mad. It's yeah. like it, but right." That's you're retarded, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now I've crossed the line. All right. Um. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make any. It doesn't make any fucking. It's like now I'm just thinking about Steven Crowder. It's like, what do you do when you get to the point where you can piss everyone off and there's nothing they can do about it? What's the next step? <laughs> also. If things go the way he wants, he's removed from every relevant platform, and the only people that would see him would be the people that wouldn't be offended anymore. So he would just be yeah. wearing a dress and having like a Muslim guy, like the doll of a Muslim guy strapped to him <laughs> just for his own audience. Yeah. yeah That's a thing him. he did, by the way. That's a real thing he did. Really? Yeah, look it up. There's a uh, about maybe two or three years ago, in order to talk about what he called the Muslim rape of Europe, which I mean was uh, this was one of like the more detestable I think runs of Stephen Crowder's uh, career is like his anti-Islam run run that was just ignorant and uneducated. Like I know that's redundant, but it's just it's just the worst. And what well, he did was he dressed like a woman, may got. To, he and his DJ, or whoever the other guy is, got dummies, put them in uh, turbans with like Osama bin Laden beards and uh, the long shirt pants combination and sandals. And then they dressed like a woman with the thing on them. And they were like, this is to talk about sexual assault in, in Germany and Sweden. Yeah, I don't know. Those things are always complicated, right? Because like, assume... Like, hypothetically, let's say that is, like, a real issue, right? Sure. Like, there are a bunch of people coming in under refugee status who are then, like, committing heinous crimes against the local population. Right. The thing that doesn't help is all of the fucking conservatives who, like, are... It's like the thing I was talking about, about, like, self-interest in charity. Like, them crying about how terrible it is, but then you can tell they're happy that it's happening. Right. It gives them, like, Validation. something to talk about. They're like, you see, I told you. It's It's like... Well, you just don't want those people to be there. Sure. So you're actually like excited that they're like harming people because then that lets you like be right about an earlier point. Like centered in what you're doing isn't the experience of victims. It's like about how you were right 12 months ago when you said immigration bad. Right. Well, I mean, you could also you could also just tie in like, OK, well, here's your complaint about this one particular issue um but this one issue is part of a greater issue of sexual assault in this country almost exclusively um or, or you know pushed away and otherwise you know these crimes are committed and sometimes people are prosecuted but in a lot of ways they're uh, given ways out of the actual punishment uh and they're loopholes to get out of the many, many types of trauma that you can infl inflict on somebody through sexual assault, regardless of your religion. And they'd be like, yeah, but the Muslims. Like, okay. But Dude, like, 
people is, were doing rape is, in Germany already. This is so fucking funny. Yeah. We're fucking killing it right now. We are we are a damn good comedy show. We got completely derailed. <laughs> I feel like Russell Crowe in Gladiator. I'm like, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? I apologize. We talked about Steven Crowder and I got triggered. I apologize. Well, me too. Both of us. We, 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 <laughs> our dislike for Steven Crowder trumped our like for our own fucking comedy show. Okay. Well, he... I'm fucking it up again, but he's supposed to be like, oh, I'm the funny right wing guy. And it's like, well, actually, Ben Shapiro was like way funnier than you. Right. Like, like, like Ben Shapiro's kind of a funny guy. So what is your thing? Because you're like, you're just a person who's doing comedy. I get where you sit there with like your sign or whatever. But like, I don't know. At least Ben Shapiro could like talk about Star Wars or something. I feel like Steven Crowder doesn't like anything. Right. I feel like he has no joy. And even even out of context, moments aren't necessarily funny from Steven Crowder, where you could just show me that gif of uh, uh, Ben Shapiro Joker laughing, and I'll fucking die every time, dude. It's hilarious <laughs> yeah. to me. Yeah. Or him in, yeah. like, that cowboy hat or whatever, but he's, like, five foot three, so he's got this cowboy <laughs> hat and, like, a $400 silk shirt on. It's so funny yeah. and goofy looking. That's the shit. That's why I love Jeb Bush so much is because he just looks like a, a dumbass, and it's hilarious. Yeah, any, it's, it, it's hard to be mad at people you disagree with if it's clear that they're, like, just being fundamentally so sincere. You Morgan, know what I mean? Thank you for like, the follow, brother. Um, that's why it's hard to be mad at the Mormons because mm-hmm. they're like, we love being Mormons, and it's like, well, that's clear. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the underwear is funny, so we'll, like, you, it's fine. Or they're they're edited movies. They got in trouble because there were this movie theater chain in or movie theater, this movie rental chain in Salt Lake City was like editing all of the like not Mormon appropriate content out of dvds and then renting them to people and the movie studios were like you can't do that you can't make like custom edits of our movie and like rent them to people and the mormons were like but we don't want the scene in titanic where he draws her like one of the french girls everything else is fine but we don't want and it was like this big thing between like first it was just the rental chain but then the city of salt lake and the mormon church like went to bat and was like come on hollywood do you hate the Mormons? <laughs> I like the thing of the idea of like uh you know that that the those movie theaters that make one off of the most popular films. So Transformers comes out, they make Transmorphers. Jurassic World comes out, yeah. they make Dinosaur Planet or whatever. And but there's a Mormon version. So like Top Gun comes out, and instead Top Firearm comes out afterwards. <laughs> and instead of it being about a, a dude in the Navy fighting off Russians, he just like has. A covered wagon in his back. He lives now, but he has a covered wagon in his backyard, and every day he goes out and it's like, well, the Oregon Trail, right? And they're just like, yep, gosh, that sucked for us. The the Mormon version of uh, a forty year old virgin, and it's just a, a guy and his friends are like, you're doing a great job, and he's like, hey, thanks. And they're like, you want to go bowling? And he's like, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> everybody likes him he's the most pot he's the 40 year old virgin set in salt lake city and he's the coolest guy <laughs> he's, he has 
all of the stuff that regularly happened in the 40 year old virgin he builds models he listens yeah. to inoffensive uh like late 80s house electronic and spoken word all of that stuff makes him the fucking coolest guy in town yeah yeah they really and that scene where paul rudd shows up with like a big box of porn fucking you know ken jennings comes out and he's like hey come on man we're all gonna watch Jeopardy. Put that <laughs> porn. <away. laughs> I wish I knew more Mormons. The only why <laughs> it's like Ken Jennings. My uh, my dad is Mormon. Well, he's my stepdad's, and like my dad and his mom and like all of my uncles and stuff. They're oh, all shit, really. Yeah, they're all Mormon, but they're like Mormon light. Like we went to Salt Lake uh, City one time, and he was like, "Oh, let's go in the temple." And I, I knew, you know, even at like 11 years old, I'm like, don't you have to be Mormon to be in the temple? He's like, okay, just say you're a Mormon. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, they're not going to look at the register. You're a little kid. We're going to come up to the door. They're going to let us in. Shut up. I'm like, all right, that's not a not a problem at all. One time I remember uh, when I was like real edgy, when I was like 14, I was like, Dad, I fucking, I read the Mormon Bible. They talk about how they made a submarine and went from, like, the Middle East to here. He's like, oh, yeah, that's fucking dumb, right? That's, that's like a, that's a really bad book. I didn't like that one. Have you heard of Tom Clancy? And I was just like, all right, fair enough. My dad's like a Mormon, like, by, by like, ethnic background. You know what I mean? Like, my, like, I have a couple of friends that are Mormons that came here via the covered wagon. Um to oh, okay to like uh what it, it's that's what really happened like the oregon trail is like a real thing that was mormons mostly and they went to this place called sutter's mill which is kind of near where i am when the gold rush started and i have a friend oh, hold on sorry of, yeah of course the oregon oregon trail is a real thing i don't think they're like okay we have to make an educational video game for children what do we do and they're like just make some shit up let's make some just shit make, up invent a thing that didn't happen and put it on every school computer <laughs> and i honestly don't have a different way of saying that because that's what i meant was just like it's real i didn't know i know people know it's real too i don't know why that came out of me like that it's so fucking dumb listen 9-11 is real dude yeah i mean it was no, not, no, not even it's, it's something even beyond that it's it's like yo the pilgrims really did fucking land here at plymouth rock that happened, that happened dude. i'm not i'm not fucking kidding they came <laughs> Salem witch trials, a real thing. A real thing, dude. They had a <laughs> fucking Civil dumb, War. Dude. That's not just a Mel Gibson movie. <laughs> no, they really hated each other. And we're like right next. <laughs> oh shit. I just I, I think what I meant to say was that the whole covered wagon experience was like a super real thing and is a uh, uh, a part of some people's direct, you know, like heritage and bloodline, and that most I of those it. people were Mormon. I think that's what I meant. I probably really meant like, no, it, it really happened, bro, but I'm going to try to fix that sentence a little bit. Just, just, just you, you're fucking sitting there with your Louder with Crowder mug behind the table, and the sign on the front says the Oregon Trail is real. Change my mind. <laughs> Waiting for people 
to come fucking challenge you with the Oregon Trail. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Okay. All right. Let me knock this into the dirt. Not a ball. Yeah. Well, so so that's the whole thing, right? So Manute Ball retires from basketball. Uh, he goes back to Sudan. He donates like a lot of the money he made from being a professional basketball player to help people who were affected by like the multiple military conflicts that happened in Sudan. At one point, he's accused by the government of spying for the Americans. It's like, I don't know, if you had to get a spy, you probably wouldn't pick like a seven foot seven former professional basketball player, but what do I know? So he flees with his family to Egypt and stays there while he attempts to get them refugee status in the United States, which he eventually does, right? Have you ever seen those uh, uh, fucking shitty-ass genre, that shitty-ass genre on YouTube where it's like uh, real blank talks about blank in movies or whatever? And there'll be like real CIA agent talks oh, yeah, about yeah, CIA yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah. And the, well, there's this one where this real CIA agent, she talks about um, the two-man transfer, right? Where if you think you're being tailed, there's a, 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 a double car, a car that's exactly like yours with a, a passenger in it or a, a yeah, passenger and a driver that are made to look like you. So like in the normal world, they would just put a dummy in a car that typically would look like the guy. So any random day, if he was being followed, he would know, just go down this road, turn down this. I could turn. And if I have a little bit of time. When they come around, they'll just see me in this car. So they'll be sitting right here staring at this car. But if it's Manute Bowl, they have to have, for him to be a CIA agent, they have to have the biggest fucking dummy in there, which is just going to look like a dummy jammed in a car. It's not going to look like a man sitting, or they have to get a truck or some shit. Like, you cannot, you you cannot, um, and imagine the thing where he's, you're standing in a room, and there's this seven foot seven white dude standing there, and he's like, "Hello, I am General Khrushchev. I am here <laughs> to tell you secrets about nuclear bomb." Okay, do not push button. And then he walks, and like the door closes behind him, he pulls his mask off, and he's Madut Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I could tell when he was standing next to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, how could you tell? Well, he was palming a whole pumpkin in each hand. <laughs> there was a mixture of the deep uh, voice with the broken in- English and the very obvious African accent. The fact that he's exactly as tall as the real <laughs> Manute Bowl, and the fact that he had 55 scars on the side of his head that I counted. And I know... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, fuck. Okay. So, um, he gains his family refugee status in the United States. Uh, and then, you know, he he passes away. He, he dies at the age of 47. Yeah. Supposedly. Or, he died at the age of between 69 and 71, which would be the case if Jason Williams and uh, whatever his name is, Kevin Mackey, are like correct in what they are saying, right? And what bothers me is that I don't know this, right? Right. I, I, I live in a world where everyone's lying to me all the time. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, 
Why did that guy that Dick Cheney shot in the face go on TV and apologize for being shot in the face by Dick Cheney? <laughs> Why, did that, right? Why did that happen? It doesn't make any sense, but it happened, right? What, yeah. what about that, that uh, fucking speech on 910 where uh, whatever his name is, uh, fucking Giuliani says that uh, there's you know three trillion dollars missing from the pentagon and then we just never we just never talk about that again right uh, yeah. yeah why is paula harris going to be the next president of the united states nobody likes her right true that i can't know things that i'm kept in the dark i feel like there's a cloud of mystery over everything that i want to know and this is the thing that i feel like i deserve to know. <laughs> like, out of all of the so wait that also means that let's let's assume the theory is true and Manu bowl was this old right that also means that his he had his son bowl bowl who's also now in the nba at like 50 something yeah or yes, 60 if not older no, fifty something. Fifty I think, something. Or maybe yeah, sixty. If he would have died, if he died in his sixties, Bulbul's like I think twenty one or twenty two right now. Well, here, okay, here's the thing, right? But you can father a child that old. Yeah. And so what I need is for Werner Herzog to come with me to like coach me in his like crazy energy and use his connections so that we can dig up the bones of Manute Bull and take them to a doctor and be like, how old was this guy when he died? Right? Uh, Ballparking. Was he 47 or was he 71? Right. It's like the, the upper end. I just need to know which of those he's near. Because the fact that I can't tell whether or not Manupal was born after the assassination of JFK <laughs> or, be, or before the start of World War II bothers me. <laughs> That's like a huge difference. And I'm just kept in the dark about that and i there's so many things i don't know about the world that don't make sense and this is the one that i cannot accept so look warner herzog if you're listening help me do this okay we'll get like a permit if we have to i, I need to know the two biggest campaigns that I think I've I've been able to the two most important campaigns I've been able to get behind in like the last decade is the Blobfish campaign, which is a a, a campaign that normalizes uh, ugly, disgusting looking animals that are on the endangered species list, as opposed to like the World Wildlife Foundation that puts a panda on there uh, as their logo, even though they're essentially just trying to save the forest, not just, but their goal is to save the forest, right? The sort okay. of like. Uh, cutesy propaganda that sucks and the second being that i i genuinely need Werner herzog to help you in Thank this you. quest because and this because this is what, what i'm really thinking is that <clears throat> imagine anybody else does this right anybody else uh and without Werner herzog and it's and like not you not Werner herzog two other people do it the end result is like a reddit thread you know like you know whenever they used to do those uh, i found a trap door in my basement and it would be like, what's inside? And inside it would be like an, uh, a magazine, a TV guide from 82 or whatever. And it's boring and it's lame. But with you guys, I could imagine just the added energy. First and foremost, you being like, well, Werner Herzog tried to murder me a number of times. He had me. <laughs> we had to go. We met with Reza Aslan and we were going to eat a human. 
like just shit got fucking weird. Additionally, when we dug up the body, there was nothing. It was empty. It was completely we're, empty. We're traveling. We're headed there. We're on a jeep. We're we're crossing the the t- terrain in Africa. He has the Treadwell death tape blasting from the speaker. <laughs> he hands me a turntable. He says, "You must mix beneath this. I need a beat to accompany the sound of his death. It will guide us to the burial site." And then he just looks at me, and I have to pretend to be fucking you know, Jam Master J or like DJ Jazzy Jeff and then just, you know, mix in a bunch of cuts of that dude in Alaska getting ripped to death by a bear. You just, That's, you look at him, you look, you look at him and slowly lift into frame a set of heads, uh, headset. You can just like, okay. And you put it on with one ear exposed like, like <laughs> this and then start scratching. And he, he looks back out to the road. He goes, yes. Just like that, yes. And just yes. Dri- keeps eyes closed though driving. <laughs> yeah. So this is what this is what I'm this is what I'm gonna fucking do. But when I get back, uh, you know, we'll do another Sunday show. <laughs> I'm fucking down for it. I I can't wait to hear the amazing conclusion of Herzog and Zombie in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> it's All right, nineteen twenties. I'm at a juice. I'm gonna juice. I think that means he's gonna get a juice. I don't know. No, I'm I, I'm at a juice. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm out I'm of pretty juice. Pretty close to burn myself out here. Well, I mean, look, the tendrils of this story right now have my spine. There are more things I need to know about Manu Bull's lineage because not not even just him. Now I need to know if his fucking grandfather was really seven foot ten. I forgot he was seven seven. Right. So now yeah, it's less yeah. it's less of like a mythical beast and more of like a possibility <laughs> that they just got the tallest guy and was like, Oh, you're the king. Why am I yeah, the maybe. king? Well, because you could probably beat us up. You're so big. You can outrun me. It's not yeah, but if you're just sitting down, everybody else would be terrified. So you're the king. I don't want this job. That's what I have in my head is like that's the elected official. You're just the tallest guy. How deep does the rabbit hole go? Right? What's what's really going on? Is there so have you heard I don't have you heard the this is less in depth conspiracy theory behind Yao Ming? No, no, we're just fucking NBA conspiracy theories all day. So what one of the things about Yao Ming, um, and I think every single person here can be honest about this is that he is taller than any other Chinese person anybody has ever seen. I think we can <laughs> all agree on that. Right? Like, that's just not a lie. Not to say <laughs> that typically Chinese people are shorter. I think on average, they are not necessarily shorter than like the uh any other ethnic group um but that manu that manu bowl that yao ming is taller than every single other one that has ever existed as far as we can count the thing the thing also here is that he was essentially trained in a basketball camp he grew up obviously 
um, in red China, right? Communist China. And there's a running theory that the missing information about his early childhood, like his really early childhood, um, is in relation to the government's like forced childhood thing that they have or forced uh, uh, companionship thing they had where the, uh, let's hypothetically, right? This is the thing that really happened in China, but we'll just kind of make up a scenario to help better articulate what happened. Um, if two people had taken a test and their IQs came out to be, you know, 101 and 103, and they were both a male and a female, they would be automatically co- made to marry each other and to have a kid. Because the op- the chance of them having another child with at least that average IQ, right, is possible. That that in their mind, they're saying this is essentially eugenics. Okay, they're thinking these people with these talents, these people with these physical attributes, these people with these mental capacities, all combine. Yao Ming's parents are also very tall, and I believe his mother might have been an athlete. I'm not entirely sure about that. And they are part of a. Uh, government forced uh arranged marriage right specifically based on their height and i think their previous athletic ability additionally the school that he went to while being a basketball camp was for a little while under scrutiny for having sent a number of kids into not kids but uh young adults into different national basketball circuits that tested positive for different types of steroids for children uh, or like teens, young teens, like we'll, we'll say like old enough to play in like Euro League, so like maybe fifteen, um, sure. and and they they're athletes, fairly talented athletes, <clears throat> and in their China Chinese leagues, and they continuously pop outside of China for different banned substances. Now. Yao Ming never popped for anything in his entire career. He's like really super clean. And even now, he appears to be in like really great health in comparison to like Shaq. Like when you see them walking around and doing stuff, Shaq is like melting. And Yao Ming, I mean, he he looks fine. He doesn't look too much older than he did before. He's like thicker, but not by much. Uh, but it's it's theorized that not only is he the product of a eugenics, but that while he was in his development years, he was being pumped full of steroids, different hormone um, therapies that increased his size, specifically intentionally trying to make him taller and thicker. And that huh. there's a, uh, so you can't quote me on the exact thing that he said, but Shaq made a reference to a time that he and Yao Ming were having a conversation and Yao Ming had said that he had his bones scanned and that his doctor said that his bones were more dense than anybody he'd ever met. I had no idea what the fuck Shaq meant by that. This was in a conversation Shaq was having about mixed martial arts and like jujitsu. I had no idea what he fucking meant by that until I heard the Yao Ming eugenics theory, which is, you know, it would make sense if he let's say, was bred to be the super hyper athlete that through that breeding, it would have also had, this sounds terrible, the effect of giving him thick, dense bones. Damn. See, that's another one where you're like, nothing about that violates the way I already think about most things. 
Right. <laughs> Nothing, right? So it's so delicious where you're like, I mean, I do, I, like, I do, like, this is a weird stereotype, but it, it's like that Icarus documentary is about, you know, the steroid program in Russia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a communist country. They completely cheated in all of their athletic programs. And so it's like, all right, I, I don't know why, you know what I mean? There's a whole bunch of speculation about Cuba cheating yep. in their athletic programs. That's another thing, right? They say that like Yoel Romero mm -hmm. might be the result of some sort of like genetic experimentation. And so it's like, look, I don't want to talk about politics. If you think communism's great, maybe it's great. But <laughs> if those two other communist countries are have this like, you know, uh, in one case proven, in the other case highly suspected like athletic conspiracy, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, maybe. Well, maybe they did like, you know, maybe Manupol is unlike any other person who exists. Or Yao Ming. Or maybe he's, here, here's, here's, okay, I, I'll validate some of this right now with a bit of more con sports conspiracy. Are you familiar with the mixed martial arts and kickboxing fighter Alistair Overeem? Yes, yeah, the Reem. The Reem. So the Reem, when he first broke on onto the scene, uh, floated around 190 pounds, right? Same height, obviously, but floated around 190 pounds, fought at the 205-pound weight class in Pride. Um, that, that was middleweight is what they called that back then. Then he disappeared for a little bit and would show up in kickboxing bouts 10 pounds heavier, 15 pounds heavier, 20 pounds heavier, all the while gaining a definition and muscle size that was fucking insane. And ridiculous, ridiculous. There's that one photo of him where he's flexing and there's just like six little like Harajuku girls hanging off of his arms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. They look like, like, like dolls. Like he's just holding them. Yeah. He's <laughs> unbelievably, you know what I mean? Just like 270 with like abs. And it's, it's disgusting how fucking cut and, and brutal he really looked like it's inhuman. You know right? what he looked like? If you watch that, like, Tom Hardy movie, Venom, he had the body of, like, Venom. Oh, the, yeah, no shit. Monster. No shit, yeah. he actually does. Because here, I'm trying to find a good photo to show. Um, I'm trying to find a good show to put, photo to put on the screen so you can actually, like, just see. But all these ones are the ones now. Okay, so here's a good transformation. And so it's it's fair to say that a man's body changes, like, over time. You know, that it, it's you can look at Shaquille O'Neal to bring him up again. He went from one body type to another body type over the you know the course of his career. This is completely different though when we talk about Alistair Overeem. And people yeah. always accused him of quote unquote steroids. Like this, what I put up on the screen is like the difference of maybe uh five to ten years, but you can tell it's a complete physical physiological change even if he were to quit working out right now he would never ever be able to get back to the frame that he had back then right it, it just wouldn't happen now what also people say i think that's definitely obviously steroids here's the thing he did eventually pop for steroids right but he didn't he never failed for steroids uh, up to the one point and there was one time in his career where it looked like he might have. And what had happened was he didn't he he didn't pop for steroids. 
He popped for a testosterone to epitestosterone level that was, I think they said eight to four, right? Usually you have like a one-to-one ratio that actually measures out the real number is like four to four, but it's a one-to-one ratio. And people with um, like severe, we'll call it steroid brain, like really fucked up um, cardiovascular system and like almost a rock solid CTE brain, they will all have really, really high testosterone and really, really low epitestosterone. Like people like Chris Benoit, he would have had like a two to six type ratio, right? Where he has low epitestosterone to balance him out and high testosterone. Alistair Overeem's testosterone measured out to be essentially the same as that, the testosterone to epitestosterone. To that as a bull in the process <laughs> of coming. So, like, the most, like, when a, a bull is fucking, right, and they're having all of their extra hormones pumped into their body, that's where Alistair Overeem was. But his blood was clean. And it was it was clean of metabolites. There's no way to cycle out the thing that would do to Alistair what he got like and and remain like that. Like, it would have a, a fucking problem. Okay. Here's well, the, so you you got to hit me with the thing that yeah. what is he doing if he's not taking steroids? Well, here's the thing, he doesn't know. He says, uh, sometime in his career while he was fighting in Pride, a number while well, this was in Japan, a number of Japanese and China and Chinese doctors and scientists contacted him and asked him if they could do experimental uh, drugs on him, and he was what? like, and he yeah, and he was like. Yeah, sure. So he went and he said within two years, he put on 20 pounds of solid muscle. And you, when you watch his first kickboxing bout back from the, the, the last time he competed, it's like an 18 month gap, 18, 19 month gap. It is insane how fucking yoked the guy is. And he'll, he's still to this day. I know he has to probably say that professionally. But, like, he's got nothing to lose to say, like, oh, yeah, the Chinese were just juicing me up with crazy steroids back in the day. I mean, obviously, I don't do them now, but that was then. Uh, like, but he doesn't. He just says, I have no idea what they put in my body, but that's why I'm like this now. Wow. You don't, you don't put on 60 pounds. It was, he, he had to cut weight Alistair over him a number of times, to 265. He was so huge. That's right. What, the thing that's the thing you got to think about is like they don't care about making better MMA fighters, right? You're the guinea pig for like the soldiers of the future. So imagine Yao Ming's height with Alistair Overeem's frame. That's and what one, that's one grows into the other. Like <laughs> you know, it's like a student. It's a student, and he he you know he's like on an exchange program. He's going to study like computer science at I don't know MIT or something. And then he's just like in his dorm room for four years, like secretly becoming a giant. And there's like four hundred of them like dispersed <laughs> throughout the lower forty eight. And then one day they just get their like activation code and just like run out of the door. <laughs> Imagine the the early camps, right? Whenever they're like teens, so one side of the school is all the kids that are seven foot and taller, but they're like skinny armed and wimpy looking. They'll eventually get super yoked. The other half is all the short kids that are just ripped as shit that will eventually get super tall. So there's just lines of lanky <laughs> kids and short little pit bull kids. Yeah, yeah. They're seeing which way is better to do it. 
Do you make them tall first or do you make them muscular first? Have you, have you ever seen the videos of the King of England walking around um, the like SS soldiers with Hitler right before World War II? No. So uh, the king that abdicated bef- before King George, I can't remember his name. Um, this is uh, the queen's uncle. The He was the king for a little bit. Uh, he was a Nazi. He was and sold secrets to the Nazis when the war started, and so he had to abdicate the throne, but pretended like it was a, a thing about his marriage or whatever. But it was because he was a confirmed Nazi. So there's all these pictures of the King of England like walking up and down the how do you say it the Seuss Seuss the the SS soldiers being like yeah this is cool these guys look awesome but it's just instead of that it's just like five foot five Chinese kids that are yoked out of their mind like Alistair Overeem. And he's just walking up and down like, yeah, this is going to, so this is the Chinese army, huh? Wow, this is going to be, this is going to be wild. They're going to get, what would you say, seven foot seven? Fun. That'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah, right. Which is why uh, we got to move to China. They're doing things, you know what I mean? Joe Biden's not going to do that. That's true. <laughs> we need, yeah, we need to be in the area that those people are incentivized to protect. So what you're saying on air is that you want to move to a country that's still practicing eugenics. Well, have you ever seen that movie Looper? Yeah. So there's the part wherever um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like, you know, freaking out. He doesn't want to be like a blunderbuss time murderer anymore. So he goes mm-hmm. to talk to his handler. Jeff Daniels, and he's like, yeah, man, I'm taking off. No more of this for me. I think I might go to France. And then uh, Jeff Daniels is like, I'd go to China. And it's like, no, man, I like it. I like French. And then Jeff Daniels, like, you know, stepping maybe outside of the role of his job a little bit, is like, listen, I'm from the future. You should go to China. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been able to shake that. I think about that all the time. Have you seen those articles that are coming out right now? Like, oh, cyberpunk has always been Asian washed and doesn't need to be or whatever. And like, I understand the the thought that maybe uh, thinking of a future dystopia as being directly Japanese isn't like accurate because it looks to be like it's going to be Chinese instead. Like, just just to be dead on, it's not going to be the the Japanese uh, Blade Runner aesthetics. It's going to be a Chinese Blade Runner aesthetic. They're the ones winning. I don't know, man. They could play N64 on the internet. So don't tell me that the Japanese aren't like ahead of us in like the techno future thing. Yeah, but they're not, they're not having sex is the thing. So why, how would they, what are they going to do to like take over the entire world? They're not going to have enough people. Um, yeah. Okay. I suppose so. I suppose so. I'm just saying. If you know if cyberpunk is Asian washed, which mm-hmm. is a word that feels disgusting coming out of my it mouth, good does. for them. <laughs> good for them. No, you're, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, good for them. I'm just thinking, like, if I'm if I'm worried about a reality uh, of a dystopia and one specific ethnic group coming out um, and like taking over the entire world's aesthetic, it's just not. It's not the least fucking country. You know what I mean? Like J- Japan has the least sex out of any country, not even just reproductive. Yeah, that might be true. Sex. No, that, it is that true. That might be true. It is true. We go to war with Japan and they're like, you know, what are you fighting for? 
if you're not having sex. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I just see that, like, you don't, you won't have people. What are you going to, you have, like, maybe 50 years of people. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for this war to be over so I can go back to my job where I do group exercises in the morning with everyone else. <laughs> I can't wait for this war to be over so I back to my 60-hour work week. Yeah, where the person who shows up last is always late, no matter what time they show up. <laughs> There's never been a person to show up after 7 o'clock, but if the last guy that shows up before 7 o'clock is still late, I fucking love that yeah. idea. Well, I mean, fuck. Now, I think we both we both shared some deep uh, conspiratorial sports knowledge now that like what sucks is they don't make 30 for 30s for this stuff if they make a 30 for 30 it's like fucking you know vlade divak talking about how the yugoslavia war sucked or whatever and like that's cool i like that but i kind of want to hear about whether or not money bowl right lie will uh maybe uh, agreed with the lie about his age and was actually a, like an 85 year old man playing against michael jordan <laughs> Yeah, man, that'll be, that's, uh, look, um, you know, uh, ESPN, you, you can get, you can get in contact with a Bill Simmons. Listen to me, Bill Simmons, give me a million dollars to tell this story. This is my, this is my personal appeal to you. Get, get in contact with me and get in contact with me. Uh, Werner Herzog will direct. I have no problem letting him. Take, I like that. Take the reins on this. I like that. And then that after Werner Herzog will direct. I have no problem letting him take the reins on this. I, I you know. know what? I could step back if he wants to. All right, let's let the kid have a shot. Yeah, I saw that fucking uh, Vietnam movie he did with Christian Bale. That shit was good. So <laughs> you know, for him, I, I have no problem letting him direct. But send send us out, and then you gotta you gotta get you gotta send Bloom to China. Uh, where I'm sure he's not going to stick out, uh, and have him figure out what's going on with the laps. <laughs> and then this will be, we can do, we'll do a whole series about it. And I mean, I would, uh, we do it with Vice, but uh, to be honest, I've already had terrible relationships with most of the women who work there. So <laughs> it's really, it's just not an option for us. Oh, shit. I had fucking way too much fun. Hopefully that movie gets made. Okay. Uh, I don't know. What should we do? Okay, so. <clears throat> if you're watching now, follow Zombie TV. Add on his Twitter. What is your Twitter? It's fucking dumb. My, it's... my Twitter is at Bennett Davidian. Bennett is in B-E-N and E-T-T. And Davidian is in the branch Davidians. There's links. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a great writer been featured in what's the name of don jolly's magazine uh oh yeah i've been published in encyclopedia.zone i've been published by terra house press i have uh independently written short stories that you can buy now on my gum road particularly the one called john loves god that i'm very proud of but the stuff on terra house and encyclopedia.zone is free uh you can also subscribe to my Substack, which will be free for quite some time i have a big essay about the movie zodiac coming out in like two or three days oh shit really yeah, it's fucking killer, dude. I fucking love Zodiac, dude. That's what's... Yeah, that's... Okay, we'll talk.
Fuck. Hell yeah. Uh, no. Let's. I have a better idea. I'll talk to you afterwards. I have. I have a better idea than us talking. I have a better idea. But also, before. Okay, before I let you go, I have. To, I gotta ask you. Did you? Do you like the uh, Korean counterpart? Uh, Memories of a murder. Uh, I I have have not watched Memories of a Murder. It's um, better than Zodiac, like as cinema is concerned. I think what what I like about Zodiac is that it's um, like it keeps me fucking entertained. Like I'm I'm so into that story a hundred percent of the time. Is there some uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, like fanboy kind of lameness that is also involved in that. But for the most part, like I, I get locked into that film watching that film. Um, Memories of a Murder has all of the cinema stuff that you like, like the absolutely beautiful shots, um, a bunch of in, like deep themes and, and things that you have to interpret by looking at the shot rather than hearing what's going on. It's it, dude, I think that if you like Zodiac, you might like Memories of a Murder a lot. All right. Well, maybe. I have an essay on Zodiac coming out in about three days, uh, available at zombie.substack.com. Uh, or, yeah. And if you subscribe, you'll get it straight to your email. And then maybe the next one will be about Memories of a Murder. Who knows? Yeah, finish your pitch. Quit. Don't talk about the thing I was talking about. That's fine. No, that's my pitch. So no, yeah, follow me on fine. Substack. Uh, yep. Buy my stuff on Gumroad. Everything's available in my Twitter, which has been linked uh and just you know i don't know watch this next sunday when we do it again yeah we are definitely going to do this next sunday because i had a lot of fun uh i'm going to make an audio version of this so those of you